Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hey, folks, I just want to take a minute to ask you to go and rate this podcast. Uh, let the team house know how you think we're doing. Go and rate us on whatever platform you're listening to this on, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or whatever else. Uh, those ratings really help us out, and we really appreciate the feedback to let us know what you like and what you don't like. And uh, if you do like the Team House and you'd like to support us, go check out our Patreon page, and you can actually support the stream and well as get access to our bonus segments and bonus episodes. Yeah, if, if you're going to give us a great review, please do. And if you're going to give us a not-so-good review, why don't you just send us an email and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Special Operations. Covert Ops. Espionage. The Team House. With your hosts, Jack Murphy and David Park. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 140 of the Team House. Uh, I'm David Park, the co-host, Jack Murphy. Um, tonight with us is Ryan Hendrickson, who wrote Tip of the Spear. Uh, Ryan is a former Navy, former Air Force, uh, or actually, yeah, and, um, and former Special Forces, won the Silver Star, and just his story alone is worth talking about. But something even more topical, and we will get to a story because it's incredible, um, but something that's very topical is Ryan right now is also, uh, in Ukraine. Um, and Ryan, can you tell us a little bit? And we normally we start the show by asking people their origin story, how they grew up and what led them in the military. And we'll get to all that in a second. Um, but if you'd like to tell us sort of what brought, what led you to Ukraine? Yeah, no, first of all, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's awesome. Um, so Ukraine, <laughs> I was uh, I was actually uh, a government contractor at the time, and about probably about four days. Uh, within four days, I decided, you know, no, I don't want to be a government contractor anymore. Yes, I want to figure, I want to do something more, and I, I don't know. It, it was just, you know, what? Um, I wonder if they need any wonder what I could do, what kind of help I could be in Ukraine. So I got to thinking, um, well, I mean, I've, I, I've done enough trigger pulling time. Um, so I wonder, uh, what else can I do over there? Cause I'm, I'm not a missionary. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a missionary or anything like that. And I have a buddy, uh, David Cunningham who told me, Hey man, we, um, uh, we got this group in Kiev and what they do is we, 
we load up vehicles with, you know, food and supplies and we take it into areas that the military is just liberated or take it into hard hit areas and, and uh, get, get food and comfort and hope to people that need it. And then, you know, also we'll load, load up vans full of people and get them to bordering countries for safety. I was like, hmm, yeah, let me, uh, let me give this a shot. So yeah, it was like four days from flash to bang. And I was, I was in Poland kind of looking around wondering like, Oh, Oh, I actually did this. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how it all went down. I quit one job and um, came over here to volunteer. And I guess when I get home, I'll figure out what I want to do when I grow up. And what, uh, so is this a, like a church organization or is it uh, a non-governmental organization or how, how is it run and funded? So it's actually a missionary organization and uh, they're, I mean, even though I'm 43, it's, it's called a youth with a mission or a YWAM. And, um, and yeah, they're all over the world doing, doing uh missionary work, but I guess uh, what, so my, again, my buddy, he's very well connected with YWAM and uh, what kind of appeased to me was the fact that it was, it, it was more getting out and, and helping the people and not doing what I'm not good at. And that would be, you know, kind of, um, I guess that what I thought was a missionary was you're, you're walking around with the Bible and you're, and you're trying to preach the word of God to people, which is fine. It's just not me. You know, right. if you want to know my beliefs, we can talk, but if not, you're then. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was just the fact that they were out and um, their way of, I guess, preaching was, um, through help and that help is supplies and food and, and, you know, giving, giving people a little bit of hope, um, that have, as, as I've come to see over the last two weeks, um, have lost everything and, and some destruction that again, I've, I've been to Afghanistan, uh, a lot, but I've, I've never seen anything on this scale. So, so what, what have you seen? Like when you first, got there and, and since then where have you been and and what's your general impression of so when i actually first got here um i kind of felt you know for a minute like jason Bourne. i thought i was like yeah this, this is great just just made it across the border into poland and and then i came to realize like a lot of people do that you're not that cool like hey, <laughs> that sucks but i got into leave um and then from uh, leave, it took, you know, so we stayed the night there. And then because of all the curfews and everything like that. And then the next day, um, we started our movement to Kiev. And I was thinking, you know, I'm driving into this just because of the news and everything. I was thinking I'm driving into this bombed out city. It's going to, th this is going to be, I guess, um, Aleppo after the Russians were done kind of thing. And, um, and yeah, so we start to drive, you know, from leave to Kiev and every checkpoint we hit, um, Ukrainians are looking at my passport. They're just like, are you a real American or kind of an American? Like, nah, <laughs> I'm a real American. It's, there's no ties to Ukraine or anything. So, cool. Well, and they kept thanking me for coming in and I was just like, dude. You guys, you guys got your own shit to worry about. You don't need to be thanking me for anything. But 
there was a point in the trip where you're coming up over this bridge and I didn't realize how big Keith was. It's huge. It's massive. And so <laughs> the amount of troops that Russia brought to Ukraine to take over the country is, I was like, oh, dude, you guys greatly did, <laughs> you did not know your geography just like me. This place is huge and it's beautiful. It's an amazing looking city. But with all the beauty, like everything's fortified. There's, 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 um, there's um, DFPs everywhere. Um, the roads, there's serpentines nonstop. You, you know, um, from the, uh, from the bar- you know, the metal like Cracker Jack barricades everywhere. I don't know what they're called, but um, and it's just and everyone's packing, and I was just like, wow, but. Yeah, the city was was absolutely beautiful. And well, I mean, it still is. I'm still here, but <laughs> the city is beautiful and it wasn't what I thought. I was thinking again, Aleppo or something like that. And and then yeah, you know, I got in first, you know, first week you're you're hearing the, the explosions out, you know, on the outskirts of the city and everything like that. But it wasn't you know, that's that that's what I expected. It's like, okay, hey, it's it is a war zone. And it wasn't until the government had taken back um so the Ukrainians had taken back Europen and Bucha. Um, it wasn't until then until I actually was like, Oh, this is what okay, gotcha. This is this place is yeah, this is bad. And what are you finding when you go into these recently liberated areas? I mean, these were areas that were held by the Russians for, what, o- over a month. Um, the news, the entire world has seen news about the discovery of uh, mass graves, civilians executed with their hands tied behind their backs, some really horrific scenes. Uh, as someone who is there and has been there recently, I mean, what, what was your experience seeing in these neighborhoods? Yeah, we've been we've been going back to Bucha. So um, the surround Bucha and the surrounding area areas of Europe and Bucha, and then um, there's a village people aren't really talking about. Um, they call it Big Demerka. Um, it's just it's absolutely flattened, um, and we we went in there with hundreds of bags of food. Um, and what I mean by a bag is we we have you know a bag would be the rice and the oil and you know just everything into one bag that they can live on for. Well, I don't know how long, but <laughs> hopefully long enough to where we can get back with another one. And yeah, we we, we gave out like 13. That was all the people that were left there, um, whether they were evacuated or I don't want to speculate, but um, they're underneath the rubble. I don't know. But the stories, the the, the civilian suffering, um, j- just the... <laughs> It's, you know, I mean, in, in war, it's every, everybody knows civilians are the ones that suffer the most, but I've actually never seen it on this level mm-hmm. um, because of the amount of destruction in, you know, Bucha and uh, European, and then especially like Big America, um, absolutely devastating. And so um, Ukrainian grandmothers are famous around the world because they're very hard. They're hard women. And um, they just, and they're the one, they're usually the ones that stayed behind because um, I learned um, 
in Ukrainian culture, it's for uh, babushka, or I think that's what they're called. Um, it's 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 better to die than to leave your home. So and so that's the majority of you know of who's coming out of I, I guess the rubble and whatnot. And so the stories we're hearing, um, one lady, it, it really you know it, it was it was pretty pretty big eye opener for me. Um, she, you know, she found out who we were and, uh, came out and then, you know, just obviously tears. Well, I don't know about obviously, but tears start flowing. And, and she told us she, uh, her son, um, went out to get food and the Russians had, you know, killed him, uh, shot him. And they, and so she, she got his body and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let her, move him and then when she was able to move him he could she could only move him to a park bench and she had to go to the commander of the town and request his permission to bury her son and he said no you have to wait for three days and then she could bury him in the cemetery she had to bury him in the park where we were delivering food to her so it's i i kind of sat there and i just thought like man, you had to, <laughs> the guys that just did this, you had to ask their permission to uh, put your son in the ground. And yeah, they said, no, it's <laughs> wow. So, you know, just, just stuff like that. And I guess um, as far, as far as the devastation and, and those stories are, are nonstop. And then um, uh, one of the, one of the parts of war that um, I, the, I guess that bothers me probably deeper than anything else is the rapes and it's not really being, um, <clears throat> uh, talked about that much. So, but you know, I mean, people can do their research. They, yeah, they, it's whatever. Um, but yeah, that's seeing those people. It's pretty rough. Well, so. I, I mean, if you, you're not comfortable talking about it, it's okay, of course. But I mean, if there is something that you want to share with, you know, the world right now. Um, I, I think that now's a good time to let people know what the hell is going on over there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of suffering. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a very big, uh, I guess, supporter of, of if, you know, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of people when they, when they say, oh, yeah, this is happening or this is going on um, back, you know, whether it's the states or whatnot, because people will people will spin stories their their own way um, for their own agenda or their own experiences or what they want people to get out of it. And um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do believe um, what I'm hearing and I do believe what I'm seeing because there's a there's a look on a person's face that's, that's been, you know, that's had everything taken from them. And, uh, it's, yeah. And it's, it's, it's this, um, Hey, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it, it's pretty much there. I mean, I guess, I guess the easy way to say it would be shell shock, but that's only a term so people can understand it. It's just they're they're just ghosts. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Um, they're blank. 
it sounds when oh sorry when they find out that we're there to help it's the breakdown of we're fine because i mean we were in we were in bucha um 48 hours after the russians left and when they find out you know that we're that that's what we're there to do and there's no tricks there's no you know it's it's just one human being caring for another i've i've never seen breakdowns like that before i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah it it sounds as if some a lot of the things are or there there's at least a pattern of behavior that goes outside of combat that there's just like this current undercurrent of cruelty of this this mm -hmm. campaign i don't know if it's a campaign i don't know if these are random events or if it's if it's you know like in east timor where it was a pattern but it sounds like there's just a lot of cruelty going on in addition to the war the war all I could do is is give my opinion from my experiences that I've seen, um, and my experiences are limited to the um, surrounding areas of Kiev. And I mean, yeah, it's there. There's there's been some, yeah, there's been some horrific stories that have that have come out, and that are continuing to come out from. Yeah, from these from these surrounding areas, um, and <laughs> I mean, yeah. When we get in there, I, I just, you know, again, I'm very um, skeptical all the time. But when we get in there, I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. This this makes this makes sense, you know. It's look around, yeah, and then you're seeing you're seeing what's targeted, what's not. And the randomness of a lot, uh, we, it's a, it's kind of a disgusting term, but we got a tour of, um, uh, the Merca by some, you know, the villagers that were there. And, um, and one lady walked us through the events that unfolded. She said, tank pulled up, broke through the fence, went out into the field. And you can see all the tracks and everything. Then swivel, you can see the tracks and turret swiveled over towards her house and just started letting rounds fly. And you could see the recoil from the tank as you know round fires and the tank shoots or um, recoils back and and yeah, she was she was walking us through her house and it's it's gone. She lost everything and she she just. You know, she found out I was American. <laughs> of course, they, there's a lot of questions for me on that. But <laughs> um, she found out I was American. And she said, why? You know, why is this happening? What What did I do? I said, I, I don't know. Like, I can't answer that. So, um, yeah, so it, it's stories like that. Um, and, and then, you know, there's there was another, you know, another uh, older man. And he walked us through his house and he, uh, his grandkids room and, and it's, it's just, you know, it was a target and I, I don't know, I don't know why. So, and there, that's, that's the thing is there's the city's full of that just indiscriminate. Fuck it, man. Let, let it fly. See what happens. So, 
I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know why they were targeted. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know the thought process behind, you know, the military objective for some of what I've seen in these areas, but um, <laughs> I just, it, it doesn't meet the common sense test to me, maybe. Nah. Right. And, yeah. it, and it doesn't, I mean, to you, somebody who's been in combat, quite a bit of combat, it, it doesn't look like collateral damage. It doesn't look like rounds that went astray. It looks like it, it yeah, this, looks like th- it. This isn't the way that you were trained to conduct warfare. Oh, no, we would. No, we would be. <laughs> we would be under Levensworth if uh, if this is if this is how we conducted ourselves. Um, and there's and, and and as we, you know, as these places have been, you know, liberated and um, people are now. I mean, they're they're scared shitless. There's people that are still hiding out because they don't know if it's a game, if it's a trick. I guess I guess there was a lot of that being done. Um, but as people are starting to come out, the um, the stories that we're getting is just that, like how how why like I, that's that's hate on a whole different level. Mm. So. But again, I'm I, I'm not the end all be all when it comes to you know war, and I know I know there's people that are listening right now that have seen seen some real war, and it's and I'm just this is my experience, and I, I've never seen collateral damage on this scale before. Um, and it's you know there's there's a lot of people that have seen some <laughs> some really really bad stuff, but. This for me is, you know, as far as civilian suffering is the worst I've ever seen. So, and and Ryan, I mean, for for our viewers who don't know you, and and know your story yet, and they will, um, but you're not a stranger to war. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Seen seen a little bit of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we really appreciate you sharing these experiences with us and, and, you know, getting the word out there. You've been posting some videos that you've shot on social media as well. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I appreciate that you're, uh, you're not trying to speculate or trying to, like, be the, the end-all, be-all oracle of the war in Ukraine. But at least sharing mm-hmm. your own experiences and your own observations kind of helps the rest of us understand what's going on in some of these neighborhoods that you visited. Yeah, and that's that. That's one question. Um, I I do. I chose to um, post about it, and it's not because um, it, the the only reason why I chose to post um, daily videos and updates is for one fact that people need to know what's going on, and it needs to be outside of the news media. Um, I understand that the media has a job to do, and I understand what sells. I, I and I know what gathers viewers. Um, but they also need to look at, you know, what's actually happening on the ground. And uh, for me, uh, the Ukrainians, they have a very, very good hold of what's going on. And when I'm when I'm saying like areas that were just recently liberated 48 hours ago from the Russians. Um, yeah, security is is tight. So I'm not worried about anything to do with me. Um, yeah, there's 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 leave behinds um, everywhere. But they also know those areas, and we, um, you know, as as <laughs> it's weird to call myself, but as a civilian, 
um, which I was an 18 Charlie. So I'm like, give me a detector, put me in coach. But um, yeah, they, they have those areas. They, it's just, they have a very good handle. It's, it's impressive. It's very impressive to see, you know, how, how their security posture and just their, you know, what they're allowing us to do because we have a, a ton of food that we're bringing in. And I mean, there'll be mile, there'll be lines of cars waiting to get through a checkpoint and they'll bring you up to the very front and just, and thank you for everything you're doing. And this kid just got out of Donbass or Murray pool. And he's just like, thank you so much. I mean, the care that they have for their, for their own. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess some, some places around the world would benefit from having that kind of camaraderie with uh, their own people, but yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive. Ryan, for people who want to follow your posting and, and kind of keep abreast of, of what you're putting out, where can they find you? Um, so I do, I don't, I don't remember my LinkedIn. It's maybe Ryan Henderson. I don't know. Um, but at, um, on Instagram, it's, uh, it's uh, tip of the spear RMH. And that's, that's where I'm at. And it shoots over to, from Instagram to Facebook somehow, I don't know, um, through magic, I guess. And then, uh, but, and then I post a lot on, uh, um, updates on LinkedIn and believe it or not, I, yeah, I put together a Twitter account, still don't know what I'm doing, but I post there and it's just tip of the spear, um, also on or tip of the spear 42, I think on, on that account, but yeah, I'm just trying to, trying to get the word out. I think I, I should have a better handle on where people can, can, um, follow me because i i always forget that's all right they'll they'll find you yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go and dig up all of those links and put them down in the description of the video later so yeah yeah um so yeah uh, and unless there's any final thoughts uh or, or anything else that you think people need to know i mean dave we can move on to um talking about ryan's uh, personal story yeah um ryan you I know when we were talking before the show, you're like, well, I really haven't done anything that nobody else has done, but I'm going to have to say liar. You, I'm going to have to argue <laughs> with you because your story is, it's quite unique uh, and it's quite incredible because it's not just, it's not just a standard combat story. I mean, you really uh, went through something. Uh, I mean, quite amazing that, that, that you did. Um, so one of the things we always like to do because Jack and I are big comic book geeks is, is ask the people on our show, like what's your origin story? I mean, would you come from another planet and are powered by our sun <laughs> bitten by a radioactive spider? Like where did you come from? How did you grow up and what led you eventually to the military? Yeah. So that's, um, uh, so I, I claim Oregon as, as my home. Um, I was actually born in Northern California, a small, small logging town called Fall, uh, Fall River Mills. But I claim Oregon because we went there at a young age and that's, that was the influential, you know, years of my life. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just easier to claim Oregon than California. Anyways. Um, but 
Yeah, so Oregon uh, did the normal kid stuff. Um, wasn't <laughs> I mean we were we were poor. We moved around a lot, but that's you know that's that's the '80s. Everybody was poor, so it's just kind of how it worked. Um, and in the '80s, you actually just sucked it up and moved on. Didn't really cry about it because no one gave a shit. Um, and turned 18, and my dad basically said, "Hey, look, dude, um, I'm not gonna let you be a you know." 40, shit, what am I, 43? I'm not going to let you be 43-year-old man pumping gas at the gas station telling about your your high school senior year, you know, homecoming game. Like, you need, you got to go. He's like, I don't care what you do. Um, I highly recommend the military because uh, his time in service and in Vietnam and whatnot. He said, but you can't stay here because if I let you stay here, you're never going to leave. And so the military was always... Um, it was always going to happen, whether it was from his influences or just um, just because, I mean, I had to face the facts. I'm not college material. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, it's, nah, it wasn't going to happen for me. So I uh, started off, it, this was in the mid-90s, so 97, and nobody really needed anybody. Um, the, the, I mean, the Army recruiter was like, yeah, man, I mean, we get you into infantry in like eight months to a year. I mean, we're, we don't really need anybody. Um, Air Force, they, they are like, no, dude, <laughs> you're a, you're a special kind of stupid. It's like, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, uh, the Marines, oh God, that recruiter was so scary. He was like big buff dude and he had this huge dipping and he was just yelling and screaming and shoes going everywhere i was like oh my god i don't want to be a marine home i mean this this guy is really scary so he scared me out of the marine corps and then the navy recruiter is just like it, you know just like a little swag to him just, yeah man you want to want to go to exotic ports and meet exotic women just, yeah like yeah you want to be a navy seal top gun Fighter pilot, Tom Cruise. Yeah. It's like, cool, man. Sign here. E1, Navy. It's like, oh, right. It's going to be great. So. And you went straight to Top Gun, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went straight out to the USS Shreveport and figured out what a bosun's mate was. And I was like, this is bullshit. No one's. Yeah. It's, I, I, I figured it out real quick. And being a bosun's mate in the mid '90s, that was that was an eye opener. Um, but I, I I did what my dad wanted me to do. I saw the world and um, traveled everywhere, and you know was a part of the incident with the USS Cole, and you know got my eyes open to uh, pretty much the first salvo in the war on terror. Um, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then against the military target, sorry, against the military target. And then, uh, yeah, it's did that, did the Navy gig and got out in four years. It was 
April 2001, it's like, man, this, there's just really nothing happening. The world is boring. Um, and so I tried my hand at, you know, being a civilian and didn't work out so well. And then, boom, September 11th. So I'm, you know, sitting there trying to figure out, like, what do I want to do with my life? I, I don't really know. Is this going to be uh, Somalia where we're going to go in and, and um, fire some rounds and, and uh, you know, do some? Well, I can't compare it to Somalia because those the guys over there, they're every single one of them heroes. Um, but is it going to be one of those things we're going to fire some tomahawks and then call it a day or and then we went into Iraq 2003. It's like, OK, this is this is actually a thing now. And so <laughs> I, uh, I, I joined the military again, but my ex-wife, uh, and great, great woman, but my ex-wife, she was prior army. And she said, absolutely not. You are not joining the army because I wanted to come in as what, you know, uh, 2003 under the x-ray program to be <laughs> Green Beret. And I was like, oh, okay, so agreed upon the air force and then we got divorced and um i went blue to green in 2008 to the be a green beret like i was gonna do in 2003 and then boom it just it you know everything just kind of went from there and went to seventh group and yeah it was a crazy crazy military uh, journey i guess you could say to where you know, where I am, well, I, not now I'm retired now, but to where I, you know, retired out of was seven special forces group. So before we uh, pick it up there, I just want to give a quick shout out to a sponsor of the podcast tonight. It's uh, chill boys and chill boys makes underwear and actually socks too. I, I've been wearing their socks and it's all made out of uh, bamboo cotton and it's super comfortable. And I hope you guys will go check it out. People who watch this show that can use the promo code team 15, for 15% off their first purchase. Uh, that is at chillboys.com. Keep your boys chill. <laughs> and the promo code is TEAM15 for 15% off your first purchase. Do we want to do Boykies real quick, too, since we're here? Yes. Yeah, okay, let's, sure. let's just do Boykies, because we love Boykies. There you go. So, um, have you had Biltong? No. No? Uh, do you like beef jerky? I love it. So Biltong is better than beef jerky. It, it's a, uh, it, it's uh, where does it come from? South Africa, yeah. right? Uh, is where it originated from. And I think we ate three or four bags. Yeah. The uh, so uh, this great company, Boykies, uh, who who Tim Stapleton. Yeah. Tim Stapleton, former NHL player, played in Russia. He actually played in the Donbass and had to cancel the game because they bombed out the arena. <laughs> Fun fact: He runs this great company called Boykies, and they do Biltong. You can check them out. Yeah, so it's a healthy nutritional snack, um, better than beef jerky, but a lot more tender. I mean, it's delicious. We love we love Boykies. Um, but check them out. Uh, order some. It's B-O-I-K-E-Y-S.com. Promo code uh, TEAM10 for 10% off. Uh, oh, like jerky, but healthy and better. Well, I mean, I didn't have to read that to know that. It, it is. I mean, it's there's not all the sodium in it that you get in jerky and the preservatives. No, it's super good. And it's, there's the, the normal kind and there's the, uh, the, what is it, the chili? Yeah, the spicy. The chili got me bad. I was it's good. Was super I like hot. it. Yeah. So, yeah, use the promo code TEAM10 at boykeys.com for 10% off. All right, so back to our regularly scheduled back to you. program. Now, I, I just want people to know that 
you and, and and I understand like we're kind of focusing more on your time as special force, but you've left out quite a bit. First off, your family story is quite fascinating. Your dad's experiences. I mean, him. You know his uh, literal sort of come to Jesus moment. Um, you know when he went to go visit uh, his ex wife's brother. Right. I, I mean, like you have a very uh, a very fascinating. Uh, childhood and and i think that there are a lot of things that sort of lodged at that point that sort of stayed with you over time that you that you had to overcome right yeah i mean that was you know that was a pivotal moment in my dad's life and um when he was you know going to my uncle steve's house he was going there to drop my sister wendy and i off and he had his shotgun in the car and he was you know he, he was going to end his own life um you know i guess you know, the the de- or vietnam demons you know just kind of and then just life in general um but thankfully uh as you know as people probably read the book you know there was and and you know it you can take it for what it is whether you believe in miracles and angels or not it's, that's fine it's up to you but um i believe that an angel you know, uh, visited him that day because the guy came up out of, out of nowhere. It's like, uh, you just creep around out in the woods waiting for a dude to want to blow his brains out to come up and spread the word of God. Like, what's up, dude? But yeah, he did. He, uh, he's, yeah. Hey, you look like he can use some help. And the dude ended up being a preacher and my dad never saw him again and all kinds of stuff. But that was the night my dad found God. And, wow. uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, and we're over at my Uncle Steve's house trying to, well, I, you know, I'm just a little kid, but my sister remembers it very well. But, um, over there trying to figure out what's going on. And yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it was about to be a real, real bad day for, for a guy that, you know, just had in his mind, he just had no other options. But, and unfortunately, there's a, there's a lot of people today. Um, a lot of veterans today that, that, that have hit the same, same spot as my dad did. Um, and yeah, they're, uh, they're, that angel, you know, it's, yeah, they're, I mean, the, the suicide rate's high and, and it's, it's unfortunate and it's, it's heartbreaking. And it's, what's even worse is you can't really talk to someone in the military that doesn't know of somebody or know somebody personal who, who hasn't committed suicide. And so I'm just like, wow, that's, uh, we, we got to do something about this. So, and, and your but, dad actually became a pastor out of that, right? He did. He did. He ended up going to Bible college and then, um, you know, this is, this is all not right off the bat, but this right. is all throughout the years, went to Bible college and, and then, uh, pastored a church for, for a while, which is what brought me to my, um, the, the town that I call my hometown, um, because that was the place I lived the longest at. I was there for five years, but Lowell, Oregon. And so I call Lowell my, my hometown because, you know, five years was the longest I ever lived in one place until, until I joined, actually until I joined the army and got stationed at seventh group and, um, once we made the move from Bragg over to uh, Eglin, it's like, wow, I've, I've been here 
10 years. <laughs> Holy cow. I guess this is now my new hometown. So, but I'm, I, I'm always going to be an Oregon duck and a Seattle Seahawks. So I gotta, I gotta stick with Oregon, but yeah, that was up to that point. Lowell, Oregon, five years, as long as I ever lived in one spot. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> all right. Lowell, Oregon's hometown. Then good. And then you, uh, you went into the Navy and then you went to the great mistakes, right? And then, uh, <laughs> for your boot and, uh, for the people who don't know how, how, like, what is the exciting, sexy life of, of a boatswain's mate on board a ship? Um, yeah, I mean, did you chip paint? Know. Oh yeah. Chipped a lot of paint. <laughs> I uh, busted a lot of rust. Um, I was on an amphib first. So, I mean, well duck operations. Um, and then the, the, I mean, but it's, you work hard as a bosun's mate underway at sea. Um, when you're not doing daily tasks, whether it's underneath the needle gun or in some lead-based paint locker and you're in there sanding away, not knowing what you're doing, you're funny because <laughs> it's the 90s and no one really cared. Um, you're standing watch and you're either driving the boat, which is the helmsman, or controlling the engine, which is the lee helmsman, or one of the watch, one of the lookouts, you know, forward, aft, starboard, port, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, you work. And so the Navy actually did something correct. They were like, look, we're going to work the dog shit out of these dudes so they don't complain about their living conditions because <laughs> the birthing areas in your coffin locker and the little paper-thin mat you get for a, for a mattress – like this sucks so for them to not notice this we're gonna have to work the crap out of them and so yeah it's like ah perfect <laughs> best night's sleeps i ever got was ship just slightly rocking back and forth and you just got dog shit worked out of you all day so uh and then you were in the air force you were uh ammunition handling you went to uh cutter uh, mm -hmm. and you met some sf guys there right no, in Iraq, I did. In Iraq. Okay, sorry about that. Oh, Iraq. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. so I was, a, I was an ammo troop, and it was that was an awesome job. Um, great, great camaraderie, uh, family, you know, the family atmosphere that, that you have in a job, especially the year I spent in Korea. That was the best year of my military career. I'll, just, I'll leave it at that one. But, uh, <laughs> As, so too as an ammo troop, and uh, and playing playing rugby for the base team, so it was pretty cool. But uh, but yeah, I um, so I went to Iraq and we were in Kirkuk, and there's these there's these guys, and they'd always you know roll out at night, roll back in early morning, and they're bearded out, and they just don't give a fuck look. The cool guy look, I guess. Pockets rule. on the sleeves. Yeah, rule number one, always look cool. And, you know, it's just like, all right. And uh, <clears throat> so we'd see him and then we'd do our own little speculation about what we thought we knew from whatever, uh, I don't know, Jack Carr movies. I don't even know if that was out by then. But, yeah, whatever you thought you knew about it was like, oh, I got a buddy who knows this dude. He's a, he's a can't say it out loud, but he's a Green Beret like oh shit 
that's a real thing? It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I got a friend who knows one. I'm like, oh, wow. So awesome. Stupid. Now that I look back at it, I'm like, wow. What a dumb little fanboy. But, um, but yeah, I, I ended up meeting these guys. Um, one dude was in the gym, and uh, he I, – I forgot how the whole – conversation went down but it went over you know like hey man you give me a spot and yeah okay <clears throat> and you know you're trying to be cool like you know oh i've met a bunch of you guys but inside you're just like oh shit dude you're you're what we all talk about over there while we're you know smoking because we think from all the war movies you're supposed to smoke when you're out at war because that's just what you do i've seen the movies yeah we're cool right not cool at all but we ended up getting to talking and he told me, uh, he's like, yeah, dude, we, we got a guy on our team that was former air force. It's like, really? You can just do that. And he goes, yeah, I guess you can. He, he switched over air force to army and went through the Q course. And so that kind of got, I guess the, uh, the, the little hamster running around up my head. <clears throat> and, um, I, I always kept that in the back of my head. And then once I got in a, in my divorce, um, uh, there was, I was going to the, <laughs> to the personnel office to change my records. You know, I guess it's the air force equivalent to S one. I don't know what it was called, but, <clears throat> and I went in there and there's this, this poster on the wall and it had this guy in a uniform and half of the uniform was, um, army, uh, class A's and the other half was air force dress blues. And it said, go blue to green. All right, let me ask about this. And it was about two weeks later, and I was at, I was, I was uh, at Montgomery Meps in processing into the army. Yeah. So, being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. So. Did they, did you like, did they release you from the air force and then you signed a new contract? For the Army? How did that transfer work? So it was called the blue to green program. And apparently I, I, I guess I was a civilian for like a minute to do the transfer. And then I was picked up by the army and just kind of, um, 
you know, started that path there at MEPS, but they, so there's programs now from what I'm hearing. And I think it's, I, I think it's an, it's an amazing idea. There's a lot more inner service operability. So from the air force, you could actually, or I'm Well, yeah, probably air force also, but from the army, um, I had a friend who was like, yeah, dude, I'm going to go to um, combat control um, selection. Um, and I get, he was an officer, so I'm assuming or it was like Crow or something. I don't know. Special tactics, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, he goes over keeping his same rank and everything, and he's still in the Army. And then once he makes it through the pipeline, oh, then wow. he does the service transfer. That's interesting. I didn't and know I, about that. Yeah, and then I guess it's the same way with, like, the Air Force dudes going to selection. Interesting. And I don't know at one, I don't know at one or at what point you're transferred over to the army, but yeah, you, you go over there and if, if, if shit doesn't work out, it's like, Oh, well, I'll just go back to my old job then. Um, which is good and bad because having the, um, that escape option is, you know, that's, that's not a good, that's not a good bailout. <clears throat> um, you want when, when it really starts getting, getting shitty and you're, you're freezing cold and it's right. and you're, you're hungry. <laughs> right. You don't and want the like, easy you know option. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going back to yeah. Ranger battalion. Oh boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, or if I don't make it through this, that, that looming, I'm going to the 82nd, right. which again, um, very, very storied unit and everything like that. But you knew, uh, the minute you, <laughs> didn't make it through selection or didn't make it through the Q course or something like that. Yeah. You're, you're at the first sergeant's uh, office probably the next day <laughs> signing into whatever unit he needed you at. So um, that was always a good, uh, like, yeah, I don't, don't really want to go and, and kill my body jumping out of planes every, every freaking other day, <laughs> um, full combat load or anything like that. But no, the 82nd's awesome. There solid organization but that was my right um, we, we got gotcha. you yeah. <laughs> um well and so when you so when you went from the navy to the air force you didn't go through air force basic correct you went through navy basic but you didn't go through air mm-hmm. force basic but then when you went to army you did have to go through through boot camp there so it was your second boot camp right so there was a little miscommunication when <laughs> So I went to this warrior transition course. It, it was a joke. I don't, I don't know. It, I don't even know what it was, but it was in New Mexico. And, and then I showed up to Fort Benning because I was supposed to go through advanced infantry training. Right. So, well, I didn't really get the whole memo on what bus you were supposed to be on. And so when they, you know, I, I knew how to play the games, like yelling, screaming started happening. It was like, all right whatever dude got it you know line up here bags here i right, got it whatever file into the door okay whatever got it and it was like a couple days and this first time hey man you ryan hendrickson's yeah because dude you're not supposed to be here you're <laughs> holding until you get to ait um because you've already missed that ait class and it's like well i mean okay but i asked him if i could just stay you know, I, you know, I was going, I went through the divorce and, um, 
I just asked if I could stay. It's like, look, man, I need to keep my mind off shit. And, and I actually really like this. Like I'm having a good time. Here. <laughs> and he said, Hey, you're going to have to play the game. Then I said, okay, you got it. And, uh, and yeah, it was awesome. It flew by. And next thing you know, it's like, all right, dude, you're, you're going to airborne school now. All oh, right. It's going to be great. And then I realized it is not great. It was horrible. <laughs> It was horrible. It's the only point where I was like, you know what? This may not be for me. It was horrible. I mean, geez, that's that's the worst course I've ever been to. And it's super professional. Um, but I didn't realize how scared of heights I was until, I, yeah, it was just like, oh, this isn't going to be. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I I didn't sign up to do this. Just just land the plane, man. We'll get off guns blazing, do great things for God and country. It's like I'm no. Why would I do that? That is dumb. You know how much I weigh right now? Like, no, I'm not jumping out of this. Yeah, I, I hated airborne school. I was I was scared. <laughs> yeah. Now you went in uh, with an eighteen X ray contract. So you knew that you were going straight. You went to a, for the 18 x-rays though, they had a course for you guys set up prior to yep. SFAS though, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had the, the, the x-ray course and pre-selection, I guess you could call it. And um, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was brutal. It was so brutal that when we got to selection, it was kind of a break. Um, yeah, most x-rays, um, they, they get selected and be, it's because during the x-ray portion or the pre-selection portion, Sopsy. yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I mean, I just got to tell people just go experience it, man. I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you went through during a, like the gig pit era, didn't you, where everyone was getting Mercer and the, uh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's it was it was bad. There's it was just, but it did its job. I mean, we went to selection and it was like this is it. Yeah, and there's people there's people quitting left and right. I mean, I think we maxed out our selection class at um, four oh five something like that. They were to a point to where they were actually doing rucksack inventories. Like, oh, that's only three pairs of socks. You're gone. Failure to you know follow instructions and it's like oh you guys are over class over st or class right now um but yeah we we started out huge and at the end there was like uh, there was 56 of us still standing and all of us x-rays that yeah, just wasn't selection wasn't that bad at all it was, it was like man this is all right cool and moving on so it did its job. The uh, <clears throat> the pre-selection or the X-ray course, yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. Yeah, and then from there you went to eighteen Charlie mm -hmm. through the Q course. Yeah, did you select yeah. that, or is that what you wanted to do? I, I did, yeah, for the for the demolition portion of it. Um, what I didn't realize is um, stateside you are a professional logbook keeper. 
you do inventories upon inventories upon inventories. And I'm like, well, what about all this cool blowing up stuff? And they're like, nope, but we got another inventory. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on, man? What? Yeah, so I, I turned into a, a, a special forces, what do they call them, a logistician or something like yeah. that? Yeah, log, log, logistician. Log. Yeah, and then I, yeah, and it wasn't until I got to Afghanistan, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is the coolest job on an ODA. But stateside, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're yeah, you're the you're the jack of all trades. Even if you have zero clue what you're doing, it's like, well, you went through the Charlie course. You should know this. What? <laughs> they didn't teach you pallet building in the Charlie course. Like, uh, I'll figure it out. Google. <laughs> so when you when you better got be to right Af- to- oh, yeah. When you got to Afghanistan, how did your job change? You said, you know, like, what was it like there? Because it was pretty intense from from what you described in your book. Yeah, I mean, we, so we were, we got sent in at the beginning of the surge. And, um, I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean, uh, Admiral Mullen flew out to our uh, PMT. It just uh, tell us good luck. And in America, when you say good luck, that means you're, you're probably getting fucked up. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you know, whether it's sports or whatnot. Yeah, if someone tells me good luck, I'm automatically looking for, like, where's the threat? Because why did you just tell me good luck? Um, it's funny, actually, we were driving back from uh, from the Bucha area today, and <laughs> Ukrainian uh, checkpoint guard, he's like, oh, American. Like yeah, he goes. Good luck. It's like oh <laughs> shit, dude. He's like what? Why? 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 So, but yeah, um, getting to Afghanistan, it was it, definitely as as the Charlie one of the one of the um, um, subtasks, I guess that is is not really pounded on in the Charlie course, but. Once you get to Afghanistan, because explosives are explosives are explosives, is you are now the ODA's IED expert. It's like, um, come again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just, um, I, I got with our Afghan counterparts who are truly the experts and just started learning everything I could um, because I learned on the fly with IEDs. And, but yeah, it was, uh, Getting over, get, getting over to Afghanistan was it. I mean, it was so awesome, especially on an ODA team. And now, you know, cause I, I've had great jobs throughout the military. I've been really well taken care of. Um, but I was always missing something. I was missing that, you know, that threat, the, mm-hmm. the, when someone says, you know, kind of like, um, yeah, I'm glad I made it through that. I, I never had that experience before in the military, you know? Uh, so I was just kind of, you know, it was it was that question that, well, unfortunately, men for thousands of years have gone and died searching for, and what would I do when the bullets start flying? Right. Um, or I guess arrows, whatever. But what would I do? How am I going to react? And so I was able to answer that question uh, uh, very, very, very quickly in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, within so, three days. So it's so. 2010 when you deploy. Um, so it's later on in the war. It's like midway, but but there was a surge, and 
I, I mean, I don't know how much it was still being talked about at that point, but you, you guys were in a very hot area. And I didn't <clears throat> know this about 18 Charlies, but you were ex basically the EOD route clearance for patrols, the patrols and the operations that you guys would go out on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 18 Charlie, you're uh, again, you're the demo expert for the team. And then when it comes to the situation on the ground in, in Afghanistan, IEDs are, you know, that's that, that, that's the main killer right there. So, um, now because those are explosives and you're the demo guy. So, hey, guess what? Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we, yeah, so I, you know, I learned quickly about route clearance and, and everything like that. And, um, and clearance operations, huge, huge, um, deal. And then, you know, just starting to, to learn the tricks of the trade. You go into a village and no one's around You're <laughs> again, good luck. You're probably, probably getting in a mix a little bit. Um, but yeah, with, uh, with with IEDs, I mean that that's the name of the game there, and especially the areas that we were in. And you know, if the Taliban know you're there, which they do, and they're gonna they're they're gonna be putting those IEDs out there. And um, they started doing it in main avenues of approach, but they figured out that you know most we learn quickly, and we'll take you know the path left uh, less traveled to try and avoid the IEDs. So then they just started. Well, I guess I would take this path. So. I'm going to put in a, you know, a toe popper here or put in a wall charge there or something like that. Um, they learned from our tactics very well. I mean, extremely impressive, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, it, it was the name of the game is, is IEDs. And yeah, you'd get, I mean, tons of gunfights, but most of the time those gunfights were to suck you into IEDs. <laughs> so, because, uh, technically, well, it's not technical at all. It's, that's a dumb word. But um, realistically, IEDs are extremely easy to find if no one's shooting at you. Very easy. Take your time. You know, just look for ground sign. Look for choke points. Look for places where people, yeah, I mean, I got to go through here. Probably going to be an IED there. Very easy. You start adding in gunfire and that 762 zipping around and all of a sudden it <laughs> doesn't become easy anymore right. right yeah yeah so they and they like to add a little little panic to it to suck you into ied daisy chains or whatnot like that right and knowing knowing our tactics they would set up ambush points where they knew where you would seek cover and have ieds mm -hmm. waiting for you where that cover or concealment. oh yeah oh yeah there was i mean i mean i got to a point on a you know after however many deployments to Afghanistan is like, look, dude, they're that they're trying to, they want to get the audio of it. They want that seven, six, two zipping around cracking all over the place. So you run for cover. It's instinctive to us. Right. Take, you know, you start taking fire, you know, find cover, suppress. Um, do not take cover at a place that hasn't been cleared. And man, I would just pound it because the 2012 trip into Panjue, I mean, they were masters at IED in areas that we would take cover. I could go out into, we would we would go from mounted to dismounted, and I could look out and see a small mud hut wall. And it's like, yep, there's where we're going to take fire from. There's the daisy chain. 
Mm-hmm. And I was most of the time I was right. And it's not because I was good. They just all of Panjway was IED. So it was really easy to sound smart. <laughs> but, you know, it's got to. So I, yeah. I want to talk about 2012, but we got to talk about 2010 first because that was that was a seminal event, right? I, uh, September yeah. 11th, you crossed the Hellman River, and then yeah, yeah. So uh, September 11th, we kicked off this big um, uh, valley clearance. It was the Chitu River Valley. So even though it was on the Hellman River, um, a mistake I made in the book whatever um it's it was a Ruzgan province bordering Helmand province okay. like we were right on the border my bad i overlooked that part um but we yeah we were clearing all the way up to firebase cobra from basically the Helmand river bridge so it was, it was a large clearance operation multiple odas commandos afghan SF, um afghan sf everything and our ODA we were tasked with the southern part moving north to meet up with the I guess the guys that were doing the middle push um, and that was that was all the commandos and everything like that so September 11th kicks off we get to our last covered concealed wait for the green light now it's September 12th all right green light start moving into the first uh, uh, set or the first village I guess I think it was called Sartutu um, if I remember correctly, but yeah, started, started the dismounted movement, uh, to Sartutu and we had, we, we had not seen movement there for a long time because up, um, before that we were actually living out of this old, like farm compound chickens and stuff like that. And we had been living there for months, just doing just presence. And, um, I guess it would be. Why well, it was a cop, but it would be a very long LPOP, I guess you could say, just watching the movement <laughs> along the river, getting in fights every single day, like clockwork. We knew when we were going to break for lunch. We knew when, when it was, you know, okay, yeah, dinner's coming up. Yeah, that's probably it for the night. Okay, it was just, it was clockwork. Um, <clears throat> but the problem with that is everybody up and down the river knew we were coming. Um, because why would Americans just be sitting there? There's, there's nothing, there's no reason why they're here other than that. And there was reports about 2,500 to 3,000 fighters in the Valley. And it's like, wow, this is cool. This, yeah, we're, we're going to mix it up. Um, but yeah, so from the last cover concealed, we get green light and start moving towards our tutu. And um, as with everything in the military, we rehearsed it, rehearsed it, rehearsed it. It's like, all right, this is what we're doing. Cool. You guys got it. Good. What? Yeah. Good. All right. Good. Afghans are on board. All right. And we had a we we had a militia with us, and so it wasn't you know we didn't have Afghan regulars or anything like that. It was a militia force, <clears throat> and you know it's all right. Yeah, you guys want to take back your area? Cool. Let's do it been training you guys are you guys are badass we get up to you know i'm about 25 meters from the first set of compounds that you know my element is going to clear because the americans we had broken up the oda into a bunch of different elements two americans 12 afghans so i had the southernmost compounds which strangely enough were the only ones we'd ever really taken contact from i was like oh, okay well great maybe i gotta shoot somebody i don't know 
Um, and we get to the last point and look back. It's like, all right, guys, just like we rehearsed. Let's go do it. Go do good things for your country. No reason like discipline. Let's go do it. All right. Hey, what's uh, what's the holdup? Hey, Nick, that was our turp. Hey, dude, tell them. Let's fucking go. Um, Mr. Ryan, there's a problem. Really? What's the problem? They said it's too dangerous. They're not going to go. <laughs> um, it, it, but yeah, we practiced it all. Remember all the sticks and the yeah, we we did all this. They they have to go. No, they don't. They said they're not going to go. Hmm. Well, what? What do they want to do? <laughs> Sun's going to be coming up. We got to get off the high ground. I mean, what do they want to do? Um, they said you should go first because you're American and you're better trained <laughs> and you have more equipment. It's like, yeah, if this was Texas, I would agree with you 100%. I would lead the way. But um, at this point in the war, this this is for you. Like, no. So I turned around to tell my counterparts, like, hey, man, it's, these guys aren't going. They, they refuse to go. And he grabs me. And he's like, dude, get Nick away from that compound. Because we had one turt for our entire ODA. So there's, I, I, I don't know. I can't remember how many Afghans were with us. But basically, we lose Nick. You're not communicating with a militia. And pointy talkie with a militia is I don't think that's a good idea when the bullets start flying. So um, so he told me, hey, get Nick away from that compound because Nick had ran down to the compound breach point and he was just like trying to do this this Afghan Rambo thing, follow me or something. I don't know what he was doing, but stupid. So yours truly here, I was like, oh, yeah, let me go down there and get him. Completely forgetting I had this thing called a mine detector that I could have cleared down to him, but no, 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 I had, you know, the old outrun in the headlights thing <laughs> happens a lot with uh, new guys, I guess. <clears throat> so I moved, moved down from the compound, moved down to the compound and grabbed. It was like, dude, wrong move, pulled him away from the breach and kind of pushed him back. And then I turned. So my gun was in, uh, you know, so my gun was facing the unknown because for all we know, there's people behind that compound wall that are waiting to just light us up. So I turn, so my M4 is facing to the unknown, and he starts moving back to, you know, our last position. And, you know, I'm kind of doing the peek over. But then out of the corner of my eye, I see some, you know, a little shiny object that I, well, I just got to check it out because maybe I get to shoot it. <laughs> and so I stepped inside of the breach and boom stepped on a pressure plate IED in the doorway or breach point, whatever you want to call it. So, um, so yeah, so that, you know, I hit this IED, but I didn't actually know what happened and it didn't hurt, but I knew that I couldn't breathe. Um, the dust and the ammonia and it just suffocated. And I was like, I have got to get fresh air. I'll never forget that. It's like, I am going to suffocate here. I've got to get fresh air. <clears throat> but, um, I couldn't stand up. I kept trying to stand up and I mean, we're, we're loaded down. We have, we have a minimum of, of three days, food, water, bang, ammo, everything on us. And so I'm, I'm probably coming in at 300 pounds at that point. 
but um, I can't stand up. And now I'm getting pissed. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Why can't I stand up? And, um, you know, I was like, all right, dude, calm down. Just rucksack flop it real quick and catch your breath. And so I'm just doing this slow, you know, sips of air, waiting for the dust to kind of clear a little bit, trying to calm down. And um, it still doesn't hurt. And I, I'm like, okay, recoilless rifle or I, I have no idea because mm-hmm. I've never stepped on an IED before. And um, so as the dust starts to clear, all of a sudden I start to get kind of a <laughs> visual observation of, of what happened. And I looked down and my leg was at a 90 degree angle. So my boot was at a 90 degree angle to my leg. And I'm, I'm looking at it. I was like, huh, that doesn't look right. I don't remember doing that with my boot. Still hasn't clicked in, <laughs> you know, the boom and, you know, the whole leg thing. And so grab underneath my knee and pull my leg up and my boot flops over. And oh, then I see man. these two, like, pearly white objects sticking out of my pants. And, you know, again, I guess my dad was correct. I'm a little slower on the, uh, on the scale. And so I'm like, huh, I wonder what that is. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, bam, the pain train hit me. Oh man. And oh man, it hurts so bad. <laughs> I just, and then I'm like, well, what do I say? I mean, I don't, I'm squeaking right now because I don't really know what to say, but okay, I'll just say I'm hit. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, you're hit. You're hit. Yeah. So I just started yelling, I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm hit. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and yeah, it, it just kind of, wow, it's, it, that's what's, that's what led up to, <clears throat> to the day that, you know, they, I mean, it changed my life, obviously, stepped on an IED. So, but yeah, it's, <laughs> is crazy and it took the team a, a hot minute to get to me because as it <clears throat> as everybody knows where there's one there's five um right. so they got to clear up to you and you know security and you know that's why you have self-aid and buddy aid it's you know because of situations like that but yeah it um <clears throat> took took us a hot minute to get me out of there because uh medevac couldn't land where we were at they said hey look it's Icon chatter, Taliban are celebrating, cheering, playing that stupid music. And um, <laughs> and then uh, they were like, oh, oh, wait, let's ambush these dudes. Yeah, 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 let's do that. That's a good idea. And so Overwatch position starts rocking. And we got Taliban fighters trying to close the gap because you can close the gap and you can't drop bombs. And right. you can't use mortars. And everybody knows that stuff. So they're rushing to try and close the gap and we're like, oh, crap, we are in a really bad situation here. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, tourniquets were on. Um, I chewed up the fentanyl lollipop, so I didn't have really any painkillers in my body at all. And they were, it just went straight from on the ground to quickest way to get him is fireman's carry. Boom, right up on someone's shoulders. And I was like, wow, this is painful. <laughs> well, we have to... You, you discovered yeah, I mean, that I, moment that you were allergic to morphine too, right? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> no I, shit. Got, I got hit with I got hit with my uh, morphine injector and I broke out with hives um, <laughs> everywhere that you could see that didn't have blood on it. And I was just like, oh, I guess hey, uh, eighteen delta. I guess I'm 
allergic to morphine too, bro. Just in case you need to know, you know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was a mess. It's, I mean, but it's good to know you're allergic to morphine. I, so I, that's good for future reference after that point. But, uh, but yeah, I just went up on, uh, Kyle, he just grabbed me and it's like, yep, this is what's happening. And we started moving and, um, I thought it was about 500 meters, but we had talked recently, um, within the last month and he told me, he's like, no stud, I, I carried your heavy ass over a thousand meters. And I was like, Oh, Oh wow, dude. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, uh, thanks man. Appreciate, appreciate the help on that one, brother. Good looking out. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he told me some stuff that I, that I didn't know before. And, uh, he told me, he's like, yeah, dude, you, you had lost, you had bled out so bad. He said, when I put you on the helicopter, um, the whole team knew that, that, that was it. You're, we would never see you again. So, Fuck. and I didn't know that, you know, and I was just like, wow, it was that bad. He goes, it was that bad. Oh shit. Cause, um, one of the deltas had a helmet cam video of it and I begged him for it. And he said, dude, I had to delete it. I couldn't watch that. I was like, oh. <clears throat> so yeah well so but you got on the end, the, you got on the medevac and you mentioned some really interesting things about the pilots on that medevac uh say that again i said you got on the medevac and in your book you mentioned some really interesting things about the pilots on that medevac yeah oh yeah 2010 i mean regardless regardless of the the carnage that was happening in the back of that bird these dudes were, were professional and it was, it, I mean, it was pick up the patient and we got to get him to the first role, <clears throat> uh, whatever it was. I, I, I mean, TK was a role three or I, I don't know. Somebody can shoot holes through it if they want, but, um, from the battlefield there and, and yeah, it's just, I mean, it, I'll, I'll never forget they were just coming off a run. They had picked up some Canadians that got, that got zipped up pretty good. And then they were in the area to pick me up. Um, and it, so basically most of the, I, I can't really remember how it boiled down, but it was a, I, it was a resupply bird. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really remember. I'm kind of fuzzy on that, all that's that. That's all right. One of the things you mentioned. <laughs> I that think I... it was a resupply bird that was like, yeah, man, well, fuck it. We'll get him. Because mo um, there was a point and there was a conversation that was had where it was like, hey, look, one guy or an entire air crew, you know, what do you think we're going to do? It was something like that. And they were just like, dude, we need to keep pushing back. We need to keep pushing back. They won't land. And there was, um, they were able to get a hold of a guy that was, or a helicopter crew that was in the area after just, um, I don't know, something, something like they were not a medevac, but they had just picked up some injured Canadians and, and then picked me up and then they got a call once they dropped me off and they engine, you know, the, uh, the, the engine screamed again and it took off to go pick up somebody else. It was just, I mean, dudes were getting hit nonstop that, you know, that year and especially September of 2010, it was like, and, and, and I know um, that my experience, but um, September was, 
was probably one of the worst months in the worst year of, you know, the uh, conflict there. But one man's experience, that's it. One of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting is that, like, the pilots, I mean, first off, they took the bird to its limits, that they were just, like, screaming. And secondly, though, that mm -hmm. they didn't look back at all. That Like, they didn't want that. That was, I guess, just standard practice. From, they didn't want that in their memory. So they just would yeah. not look back at what was going on. Yeah. No, very, very professional. Very, um, yeah, they did. I mean, they did what they had to do because – I mean, 2010. This this was a this was I, I don't know. I wasn't in the air cell, but probably an hourly thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you get to was it calf that they took you to? So I first went to TK. Okay. And then, and then from TK it was the calf, and then calf to Bath, and then Bath to Germany. So okay, Tarenko. That's right, TK. So when you got there. Like the nurse, like you overheard a nurse, like basically a pine yeah. that, that you weren't going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically is, you know, I was, I was, I was, uh, in a pretty bad, um, position and it's like, Hey, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get this guy back and, and, and start, start working now. Um, and it, I mean, I guess it was bad enough to the point to where, you know, our Delta left a note with me that said, you know, if you're reading this, you're alive. And I was like, how bad was this? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, okay. Guess, and guess it, was, guess it was a little hair raising. And and you had what, like at least two surgeries there, right? You had two really close calls while you were there in TK. Yeah. Yeah, there was two close calls. I don't, I don't know how many surgeries. I would imagine two because of the two close calls. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how many surgeries were there. It could have been more than that. But yeah, there was. Um, I guess I was told that I had, um, and I didn't know this is a word, but I had expired twice. And I'm like, am I bad milk or something? Like, what do you mean expired? So. But <laughs> yeah, and you got to calf. Um, was it in calf or Germany where you started having your nightmares? So Germany is when I when I first realized like kind of what happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I I just had this this crazy ass nightmare to a point to where you know I woke up and I'm. Well, I, I don't know when I woke up, but I remember there's blood everywhere and I'm, I've torn every tube out of my body and, um, there's a nurse, you know, bleeding in the corner and crying. And I'm just like, what is going on? And everyone's panicking around me. So now I'm panicking and it's just like, what just happened? And yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's bad, bad day and decided to remove all the, uh, the life-saving uh, instruments from my body, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Kind of had to had to get over that one for sure. And then from calf, you you know you had a stop in in uh, or, or in calf or Germany. Then you had a stop uh, out in Maryland, right, or whatever. And then you went to Texas. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, the bird was dropping off, um, patients at, um, uh, I don't know why I can't remember the big army hospital was it there. Bethesda um, or is it Walter uh, Reed? Walter Reed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they were dropping off their load at Walter Reed. And then there was a couple of us going to Bamsey. Um, Bamsey was huge with <clears throat> the, um, uh, burns and, you know, limb salvage and stuff like that. So that's, that's where I was going to. Plus my buddy who a couple days before me, he had both of his legs blown off. He was at Bamsey. So, and some other guys that have lost limbs that I knew about were at Bamsey. So that's where, um, that's where I, you know, ended up going. And so tell us about your experience here. Cause you had, I mean, I don't even know how many surgeries you had. I mean, you you went through a lot there. So what were you initially mm -hmm. told about your foot, about your leg and everything? Um, I mean, basically that it's – initially it was going to be amputated. Um, I don't know the circumstances that led up to why it wasn't amputated in Germany or Afghanistan um, besides infections. And if they can contain everything, then and get me to the rear, something like that. Um, I'm no medical expert, so I don't I don't really know how or why the decision was made. But I showed up at Bamsey with my legs still, and um, this was during the time of you know this this exploratory surgeries of limb salvage instead of just you know chopping limbs left and right. Let's see if we can save them. And so I, <clears throat> I entered into the limb salvage program early on and when it was still, you know, kind of unsure. And, um, and I was a good, you know, test subject for them because, uh, they flat out said like, yeah, if we can save this limb, this will, this will be the best, the hardest one we've had to save to wow. date. Cause you technically don't have a leg it's like, Oh, well, yeah. okay. Thank you. Now Thank your your doctor you mentioned is Dr. Sue HSU, right? And basically yeah, he's Dr. like he's he gave you a ten to fifteen percent chance, but if it happened, it would basically be like limb salvage like history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean if it happened it, it's 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 going to um advance, I guess, um limb salvage uh, technology and practices and whatnot, and it's gonna benefit, you know, so many other people um that would, you know, uh, I guess, benefit from not having their limbs cut off. <laughs> so, yeah, it, but the way it was explained to me by him, and it was probably explained to me this way because he knew that I was I'm kind of a dumbass, but he's like, we're, we're going to reattach your leg, dude. Like, oh, well, okay. I didn't know that was a thing, but sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> so, You know, I, I, I mean – there, there's so much in your book about personally, like, you know, your, your dad showing up and basically staying by your side the entire time. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, 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 how many surgeries roughly would you say you had over this time? Uh, 28. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and there were a lot of times, like you mentioned in your book that you're like, why am I doing this? Like I could just have it cut off and be done with it. Like there's so much yeah. pain involved in all this. The, what is it called? The X or the cross? The X fix. The X fix. Yeah. That exoskeleton 
saw movie torture device thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and not only were you dealing with the pain, but you were also dealing with like perception that people are like, oh, well, you didn't lose your legs, so it couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, that that was hard. I mean, people, you know, the misconception of an IED blast um, was, you know, if you're not missing legs, I mean, how bad could it really have been? Right. And so it got to the point to where, I mean, I, I even questioned myself. I was like, am I that weak of a man to where, you know, this has bothered me so bad and this is such a mental minefield um, that I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of issues overcoming <clears throat> and I still have my leg. I mean, people said it, you know, oh, you still got your leg. Couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, maybe right. they're right. Maybe maybe I blew it out of proportion. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean that I can't imagine between the pain and sort of that self-doubt and then you could you could circumvent all this by just saying, you know, it just just amputate. Prosthetics are great, yeah. you know. And and I, I know guys who were in that boat and got amputations and came back to work, you know, with a prosthetic. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think your, your story is interesting because it sounds as though the medical science reached a point, you know, the people I'm talking about were earlier on in the war, six mm -hmm. years later, seven years later, it sounds like the, the medical science had advanced, uh, to well, a certain but he was the advanced. I mean, you're basically yeah, you were, volunteering yeah. yourself to be an experiment right. in a way, instead of going like the tried and true way. It's like, yeah, instead of like one big surgery or two big surgeries, Go ahead and cut me open 28 times. Let me deal with the skin grafts and and everything uh, that goes along with it. And right. be, being skin an amputee grafts. is no picnic either. I mean, from what guys go through with the with yeah. the prosthetics. Yeah. I mean, would, oh, like, I don't mean to. I don't mean to make yeah, light yeah. of that at all. No, no, I know what you mean. I mean, like we talked to like Justin Lassick and and the you know difficulties he's gone through as a double amputee. Elena, Alana, yeah, Alana, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I just what I really one of the things I really appreciate about your book was also like you talking about your internal process and, you know, and that idea of when people, you know, you mentioned like these, these, you know, young soldiers or whomever, like seeing you in your wheelchair and seeing your leg and going, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. And how that like the, the ramifications that had for your own for your own thought process and how you saw yourself and how you thought, well, maybe I should just get an amputation or maybe I am just blowing this out of proportion. Yeah. I mean, I, I really thought about having an, <clears throat> having an amputation so people would, you know, respect what, you know, what I, what I went through. And, um, in the end it was, it, it, it you know, it was a dumb thought process because I, I thought that visual, I needed that, that, that visual, um, like validation approval. of your injury. <laughs> yeah. I needed that visual approval from people, um, to actually know like, oh man, yeah, this guy went through some shit. Look, he doesn't have a leg. And, you know, in, in the end it's, yeah, I don't know, but the mind, the mental mind games, you know, that, 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 that plays be when you have, you know, I, you know, I went through what I went through and, um, 
probably could have easily went the other way where I was, you know, a flag draped coffin, but, you know, wasn't. And then to have someone tell you, it's like, oh, well, at least you got your leg. It ain't that bad. Like, who the fuck are you talking yeah, to? Yeah, right. In the, but yeah, amputees. I mean, man, there's it's you know their life is changed forever. There, that limb is permanently missing, and so there is there are there are things that I do benefit from um, because I still, even though it looks like a chunk of meatloaf, <laughs> I still have kind of what God gave me. Whereas in with amputees, um, they they don't. That choice has been taken away from them, and at least I had the choice to go down the limb salvage um, path, or to have the limb basically a couple pieces of skin cut. And we're done with it, right? Um, and so yeah, I mean that's yeah they amputees. I mean it's you know I've unfortunately as of you guys as you guys do too, I know lots of them. And, and yeah, they didn't have that choice, whether right. it was because of the time of the war they got hit or like Ben Harrell or Will Lyles or any of those other dudes, they stepped on an ID that just, there was nothing to salvage. Right. It was so, yeah. But for me, at least, you know, I, I had that choice. I had that, that 15% chance that we could, we could go ahead and, if it works, this, this is going to help some people out. And if it doesn't work, well, you didn't really have a leg anyway, so whatever. Now, I want to give a, a quick spoiler alert real quick because this was uh, 2010 when this happened. We talked about operating in Afghanistan in 2012. So right now, when you're down at, at uh, Fort, it's Fort Sam, right? Um, well, Brooks Army Medical Center. Brooks, okay. So you're thinking you want to go, you want to get back to the fight. What is, what mm -hmm. are the doctors, what are people telling you? So, I mean, management, management expectation is huge. If you set your sights so high and put everything into it and it doesn't work out, then that's, you know, will you be mentally prepared to deal with, that quote unquote failure or um, not, not achieving the, you know, the goals that you wanted to, <clears throat> whatever. Um, so I understand the, the logic behind, Hey man, you're not going back to combat. This is, this is done. You're actually getting medically retired. Um, so you need to quit going down this, this road of you're setting yourself up for major failure because you, you just, it's not going to happen, dude. And, um, yeah, I, I, I did, you know, between Dr. Shu and Johnny, um, they were just like, yeah, dude, screw it, man. Let's do it. You want to go back? Cool. We'll make it happen. But <laughs> you're, you're the prototypical the team guy. Like I just want to get back out in ODA. Yeah. yeah. But the majority of people were doing what, they were supposed to do. And that's, you, you have to manage those expectations because mm -hmm. this is not going to happen. You are done. And so, yeah, it was, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, it was, uh, it's not that I'm some, I'm, I'm some badass or 
anything like that because I'm not. It just it happened at a perfect point in the war to where they're like, wow, dude, we need to retain. So I was medically retired. And then um, because I was Green Beret, I was able to get a waiver to stay on, you know, to come back on the active duties because, you know, at the at the least I could go to the air cell and and coordinate, you know, bundles or, you know, whatever, train, go back to Bragg and, and you know, train dudes, gimp around the woods of, you know, Camp McCall and train dudes or whatnot. Um, we can still <clears throat> get some bang for our buck out of this dude that we just spent, I, I think, millions to train. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to say millions because it just sounds cool. Um, but, yeah, that was that was the that was the open door that I needed. And again, it, it was just because it was that time in the military where they're like, Hey, we need dudes. Um, so that was the open door I needed to get back to group. And then to, <laughs> I, for the most part, weasel my way back onto a deployment to Afghanistan to the point to where it's like Sergeant major walking up to me saying, um, Hey, stud, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to have to call bullshit on you saying that you're not a badass because I, I think the story might be a little more intricate than what you what like you're telling. And we appreciate you being humble. But first off, you fought them militarily tying you and you got the co-ad right or the the waiver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you were back at, and your command sergeant major basically, I think, supported this, right? Yeah, yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I think he supported it because he knew it wasn't going to happen. But, um, and then when you got back to seventh group under the coad, which is yeah, we'll put you in an admin or training role. Then you got into mm -hmm. their Thor, their Thor three program, which was their rehabilitation program, where you start. PTing, like doing physical therapy, working out like a nut. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's pretty much the you know the return to war or whatnot. And it's if you've been most most of the time it's guys that have been um, injured, not wounded. You know, had a had a bad jump or whatnot. And if they want to get back on ODA, you got to go through the Thor pro program and pass pass um, their their um, I guess evaluations that you're not going to be a liability on a team, and yes, I mean it. It was hard. It was super hard. But so you weren't just um, weaseling your way onto a deployment. You you worked your ass off. I mean, to where you were in some ways in better shape than you were before. Yeah, and the weasel part came because <laughs> the the company had already deployed. Right. And and so not many people really knew who I was because I got blown up my first year in group. <clears throat> and so nobody, you know, my company that actually knew who I was, they're they're all in actually the battalion was all in Afghanistan. Um so I was just like, Hey, um, I'm with this battalion and yeah, I'm trying to get over to Afghanistan. And they're like, All right, man, what's your name? cool, bro, next flight's out of here, whatever it is. And he's like, have your shit ready to go. It's like, yeah. Wait, really? Okay. So I kind of did a little weaseling. But, 
but you also were given you were like given like passing like your uh it was a paul uh, paul and dana mm-hmm. and and yeah paul and, dana, yeah. and and that whole process like you were kind of blessed off of like yeah you're you're fit now let's talk about your your foot your leg at this point because it's not like it's not healed. Like you still have skin grafts that are tender. Do you have like an yeah. exoskeleton or carbon fiber? Yeah. The, um, yeah. Instead of having a prosthetic, you have the, um, idea device. I don't really know what it stands for. It's like indrodematic something, something, something. I don't know. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, the could have, could have gave the skin grafts a couple more years to really, you know, <laughs> But that just wouldn't be me if I did that. So, so, so you work your ass off. You get into shape. You you get a you get back out in April of 2012, out to Afghanistan. And what's the difference between how your command sergeant major sees you and how your uh, your company sergeant major sees you when you're back out? Yeah. So I I flew in in March of 2012 to CAF and. Um, first person that meets me is the company sergeant major. And he asked the question that he had every right in the world to ask. The fuck are you doing here, dude? Like, go. Cool. <laughs> and then, um, and you were like, I'm here to kick some ass. Chew bubble gum and yeah, kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. Command sergeant major who told me at the hospital, if you get cleared, I'll send you back to war. Um, yeah, he, he had other ideas. It's like, hey, I told him if he got cleared, he'd go back. And he got cleared. So the company sergeant major <laughs> was like, all right, he'll 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 work as a AST, I think is what it was called, or mm-hmm. whatever it was, where you just sit at the jock. and <clears throat> Very important job. But the yeah, a- the AST is supposed to be like the uh, 13th man on an ODA. Uh, for people who yeah. don't know that, it, and I can't remember the what the acronym stands for, but you know, like the idea is that you're supporting the ODA and you're like the liaison between the team and the company. And if somebody yeah. on the team gets hurt, you're the replacement to go in. Yeah, and not and not just that, but you're you know you're the you're battle tracking and, and the uh, jock and mm-hmm. you know just all that other stuff. So, um, but uh, command sergeant major was like no. I said, if he got medically cleared, I would send him back to war. And we needed 18 Charlie All right. in, this, we, in this place called <laughs> Panjway. And I came to figure out that 2012 Panjway District, Kandahar Province, was probably the worst place in Afghanistan. <laughs> um, and I get out there. Um and pretty soon after that, we have the massacre that happens with Bales. And so then now Panjaway just becomes a hotbed for insurgents because mm. the villagers are like, oh, well, we're safer with the Taliban than we are with the Americans. And so with insurgents comes IEDs and with IEDs comes <clears throat> quite a few ramp, um, ramp ceremonies. So, yeah, it was... Uh, Panjway District, Kandahar Province, 2012, <laughs> was uh, real bad, if not the worst place in Afghanistan at that time, my opinion again. What what, <clears throat> what was your reception like in general uh, by the team that you went 
to to be a member of. I mean, it was you know the reception was what what you would expect looking back, and that is flat out, you know, you know this isn't a Make a Wish Foundation for Green Berets. You can't come out here, shoot a gun a few times, and be like, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a warrior. It's like people are dying here. We're doing ramp ceremonies. It's you know there's this is a bad place for you to come out and try to find yourself again mm-hmm. but we don't have a choice we were told you are coming out here and until you can't hold up <clears throat> um, your side of the bargain for the team um, we have to keep you here but we're just letting you know we don't want you here because you're a liability um, everybody knows what happened to your leg and you have no business being in Afghanistan and I understood. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, yeah, it's can I hold up? And that's the one thing people don't understand. You know, people could jump to conclusions like, "Oh man, those guys are assholes." They're not, because you're yeah, in an yeah. environment where where people have to be able to toe the line, or 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 other people will die. And yeah, it's they're, they're, try, they're trying to survive too. Yeah, it's not about you dying. No one cares about that. It's about you getting your buddy killed that's that's the worst and and so yeah that the reception was that was it i was like wow this is (laughs) this is gonna be a rough go here and i mean it's a it it took a while but you know after after quite a few missions i was able to kind of you know and and you were back up front right back doing the route clearance the like the the patrol point man and the patrol oh yeah yeah i was under i was under a mine detector very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, out finding IEDs again. And just like, holy cow, what? I'm an idiot. It's like, yeah, you're pretty dumb. <laughs> and so you were there for five months. And, and uh, can you tell a story about how, like, what happened at that point? Like, what sent you sort of back? Yeah. So we, um, we went out on a mission and, moving into this village and we got, we got ticked up. And, uh, so I did, you know, what you're trained to do in the army. And I (laughs) went and I found cover, um, and started returning fire and, you know, the drones running and dust and, you know, sun glare and all this other stuff. And it's like, all right, yeah, this this is great. This war is, you know, getting it, but what the fuck stinks? It's like, all right, let's continue firing and let's get some. So aircraft come on station and all of a sudden, magically, you know, we were never in a firefight, Taliban are gone. It's like, what is that stench? And I look around and I'm <laughs> I'm like I'm like calf deep in a shit trench. And I was like, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, really? Are you this is happening? So, you know, we <laughs> we uh consolidate everything you know do do what bda we can it's like dude you stink it's like i know man i was in a shit trench it's like well check your leg so you know we're we get back to the base or whatnot and you know get my pants off and those burnt obviously um but i had on my skin grafts i had open sores all over my skin graft so the skin graft on the bottom of my foot was peeled back and the skin grafts on my leg were uh, 
all open sourced. And so I had all of this human feces that was able to <laughs> soak into <clears throat> my, uh, my body, I guess, uh, very easily. So yeah, that was, uh, that was an automatic medevac to calf. And <clears throat> from there it's, yeah, it was, uh, that, that was my, that was the end of my time in Panjue cause they were, you know, obviously concerned about infections and everything else. So, but yeah, it was a shitty way to end. <laughs> Literally. And, and, but, Literally. That, but, but you had been operating at that point for about five months down in Panjue, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you get to CAF and they say, hey, we're not sending you home. You can stay here and we can clean up the infection, but we're not sending you forward again, right? Yeah, that was that was pretty much, you know, you're you're going to be on AST for the remainder of the deployment, which was, uh, I don't know, at that point. I mean, it turned out to be a 10-monther, but they already had a couple months in, so it was like, three months on AST, I think is what it would have worked out to be for me. Until Hilltop, what, 2000? Yeah. So yeah, Hilltop 2000 came about and it was, uh, it was basically the command element was going to get overwatch position over a major clearance operation in a valley. Um, and I think it was called the belly button or something like that. But what the command was going to do is to get overwatch, you have to be at a high location and a valley clearance is means you're going to have to be really fucking high. Um, so this mission was, they were going to infill in and climb to the top of this, this hilltop, which let's face it is a mountain, but well, not in Afghanistan, not an Afghan mountain, but we'll, we'll give it a Nebraska mountain, but uh, where they're going to climb the top of this, but it, we call it Hilltop 2000 is because it was 2000 feet elevation gain and little over a click. So it's pretty much straight up now. Um, and so the first siren came up to me. He's like, Hey man, can you show me how to use this mine detector real quick? Um, I don't really know how to use it. And I guess I'm going to be the guy clearing for IEDs. And it's, well, why? Like, well, I mean, that's yeah, we need a guy to do it. It's like, well, I'm an 18 Charlie, man. I'll do it. Okay. So, um, the, and at first, and then there was no, 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 not happening. No, not happening. But I knew that if I could get onto this mission, then I could pretty much solidify my, my time, the rest of my time in group, because as of right now, people knew my leg failed and that's why I was sitting there on AST. And so, mm if I couldn't do anything to prove myself before we got back, then people will always know that that's, that's the situation that happened. So I was like, I have to get on this mission. Um, and this is going to suck. And I, I, I hope to God my leg holds up, but I got to get on this mission. So again, I was able to, uh, kind of work my way onto this mission going up because it was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to train you how to do this. I'm going. And, so again, command sergeant major's like, "Cool, man, let's go." Yeah, you're going. <laughs> and then you know the the guys in the background that were telling me no the whole time, they're just sitting there like, "You gotta be kidding me, man! How does this kid keep weaseling his way on the things?" But yeah, we were we were loaded out. I mean, 
easily 80 pounds plus. 80 pounds was light per guy. And we started moving. You know, we infilled in Blackhawks and dropped us off and got to the base and looked up. And it's it's midnight. I'm just like, holy cow. Wow, this is going to suck really bad. But, yeah, we uh, started moving up. And, you know, I got to a certain point. There's a couple guys, you know, I can't go anymore. Just, just leave me here. And I was like, yeah, that's great for gone with the wind, but that doesn't work well in combat, dude. Um, so we're cross-led dude's gear. You know, they're – I mean, I don't want to bash, but they were, they, they were attachments, so – but we're cross-load dude's gear and and stuff like that. And another guy just body just gives out. And we gotta we gotta you know cross-load his gear, and I'm still plugging along, and I'm just like, and, and I'm sucking. Like there's nothing easy about this. I'm not you know I'm not sitting there is you know Captain America up there like, come on guys, what's wrong with you? Like, Follow no, me, man. I'm I can hurt. do this all day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm hurting extremely bad. I just learned how to fake like I wasn't hurting. Right. Because when people see a guy that has a leg injury hurting, there's a bigger knee jerk reaction to a guy that just is hurting hurt. And so I learned how to fake it very well. And yeah, and yeah, it was and I knew like and that was the one I'm not big on being, you know, the spotlight guy or or yeah, I need people to see what I'm doing. But on that mission, I you know we had the command sergeant major, we had the colonel, everybody with us. I needed them to see what I was doing. So yeah, cross load gear is like I'll take it. Oh god, this is gonna hurt so bad, <laughs> you know. But you know stuff like that. Yeah, it got. I mean, we accomplished the mission and made it back. And yeah, people. But, you know, but like, even on the way down, like one of the guys, like, I can't go any further. Like, dude, you, you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had to, I had to talk to him pretty quickly about, you know, your, your options in a combat zone. And it's like, look, dude, you don't have a choice. And what you're doing right now, um, you are wearing your pain all over your face. Everybody's fucking hurt. There's all of us are the differences is we're not showing it. We're hurt just as bad as you are. We're just not letting anybody see it. Um, and you are you are basically showing the entire battalion command that 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 you're weak. It's like you got to stop. You need to get a hold of yourself. And regardless of how bad it hurts, quit whining because all you're doing is you are writing your own check that you don't want to cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, but he, yeah, poor guy. He, just, he was, hurt. yeah, yeah. You can quit when you get back to the fob, but not out here. Yeah. 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 It's like, look, dude, already carried your equipment once. You're not, we're not. <laughs> yeah. So you, uh, you know, you, you, you do this, you get back, um, and, and you sort of solidify your ability to operate to the, to the command staff. Yeah. Which is really what you wanted to do, you know, after the unfortunate, like, an infection uh, event from from the uh, shit trench. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I got back in there, you know, all the other um, deployments I went on. Because another fun fact, um, 
my paperwork actually said I was non-deployable. That's, that's a little fun fact, but yeah, there was never, you know, I ended up going back to Afghanistan 16, 17, 18, and then got home in, yeah, 19. So, um, all those trips as a green beret and now they didn't bat an eye is like, Oh yeah. Yeah, Hendrickson's on a non-employable list. No, he's he, he's fine. He, he's yeah, next, you know, kinda. he'll just take some Motrin, some vitamins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after you left Afghanistan at that time, uh, you did trips because you're in seventh group. So you did trips to El Salvador, Colombia, um, and uh, uh, one other uh, Peru, right? But I want to yeah. talk about your trip to Colombia real quick because you had a funny story uh, about the uh, the boa, the iguana, the goat, and the chicken. That was that was Colombia, right? Oh, so what, was this uh, partying with the Secret Service down in Bogota? No, I wasn't a part of that. Know, okay, okay, cool. No, the guys that were, but no, I <laughs> dodged the bullet. Thank God. No, you uh, were out in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. No, it's or, uh, we were. We went through this jungle uh, survival school or whatnot that that the um, the Colombian special forces were putting on for us and and yeah we 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 got out to uh, I guess where we were going to stay for the night and after this this brutal trek in it was just horrible and yeah they're they were telling us FARC would have killed every single one of us because we were so loud. It's like, oh, okay, well, whatever. <clears throat> but yeah, we, we, we get out and start setting up our, you know, our living, sleeping arrangements. And <laughs> then I, I finally get to, you know, get to sleep and I'm in my hammock, you know, mosquito net hammock. And, uh, and I, I don't, I, can't quite remember, but I know uh, there was like some commotion that night and Colombian um, SF guys are running around looking for something. And it's like, well, what? And, you know, through loose translation, it's like, oh, we're looking for that extremely large um, boa constrictor that was going to be one of the meals. Oh, and it ate a couple of the other meals and it's wandering around the camp somewhere. And, and like, we don't know oh, where it is. We don't know where it is. And like, you shitting me, man. Like, how? This is an extremely large snake. But yeah, it, you know, it's just incidents like that. It just kind of <laughs> made it fun. So that's good stuff, man. Um, so let's talk about your 2016 trip to, uh, uh, Niazala, right? Nazala to Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh, um, Bogland province. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pulley Kumri. And yeah. Um, yeah. So 20, 2016 trip, I, I actually went with a different company cause they needed, uh, they needed 18 Charlies and, and, uh, so I jumped onto that trip and ended up going on a, uh, going with an ODA that was doing a clearance operation in Bogland province. And, um, you know, their, their Charlies that they had were all out of the course. And so they wanted somebody that had, you know, had found some IEDs before and whatnot. Um, so I linked up with them and we did all the trade-ups and we infilled and, 
um, it, it was, I mean, we were in Bogdan for about 45 days, but when it came time to do this, uh, this uh, village clearance of Nizula, um, you know, we kick off the mission. We're driving in um, Afghan Humvees because we, we, what we wanted to do is every time the Afghans went into this village, they'd get in a fight, they'd get the shit kicked out of them and then, you know, retreat back with, you know, licking their wounds. So we were like, okay, well, we'll then feel like we're just another Afghan patrol going in. We'll start taking fire and then we'll call in air support and just absolutely annihilate these dudes. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. Everything's a good idea until the first round flyer, you know, flies, flies across. So, but get out there and uh, we infill in and <laughs> everything's going to plan and we go from mounted to dismounted and start moving up through, uh, through the first, you know, compound our, uh, our first objective. And of course it's, it's, it's tucked in nicely behind an orchard, which orchards are bad news, um, Iraq and Afghanistan. So, but, um, you know, we already knew had to, had to clear the orchard, get to this first compound so far, you know, we heard some ICOM chatter, but nothing crazy. No one knew anything different. <clears throat> it was more just like, yeah, let, let the guys go and, They'll, they'll leave, you know, um, they're all Afghans, blah, blah, blah. No one knew Americans were on the ground to, <clears throat> to the best of our knowledge. But so start clearing through the orchard and <laughs> we, we get like, I don't know, halfway through and it's, you know, you, you got to set the scene. It's dead quiet. It's, you know, you're, you're looking for IEDs under, you know, nods, which is super horrible. Yeah. Um, but out of the, out of the, you know, just the dead silent, we hear this loud pop. So everyone hits the deck because you're supposed to. And it's like, what was that? Was it sniper fire or something? Like, what in the hell? And so, um, uh, what was it? Jaweed, um, Abe and myself were caught up in like this line. And it's like, oh, shit, we just we just hit a tripwire IED that low order. It's like, okay, well, well, that's good. Right. Yeah. Low order. Holy cow, dude. <laughs> all right. So we, uh, it's like, all right, let's pick ourselves up, and keep moving. So we do. And that tripwire IED, um, it was at a corner at a turn in the, in the, in the path. And we kind of make, make that turn. And I see, I see movement in the, in the compound and a guy runs like from the open straight back to, uh, the, uh, the compound wall. I'm just like, Oh shit. And then when the Afghans, you know, when you're, when you're Afghan, uh, NMRG guys, the national mine reduction groups, dudes, when they say, Oh shit, it really means, Oh shit. And man, that, <laughs> that, compound wall just erupted in flames everywhere pkm flame i mean it was a pkm engaged us and it was like 17 meters 20 meters away and that flame shot out of that barrel and it's like you could reach out and grab it and the and the whole like side of the compound just lit up with ak fire muzzle flash everywhere and everything like that so yeah it just <laughs> we were caught in a 
pretty good ambush and um which the tripwire ied was supposed to set off um but yeah they uh they couldn't really get me we were pinned down and you know it's good they couldn't get an air solution because <laughs> i was uh 17 meters away from you know the the target of the pkm and at that point it was the most casually producing weapon on the battlefield because i didn't have a crew serve up with me we were yeah. clearing on ad's um and yeah our p or the rpg guy kept jumping out and screaming you know all akbar letting him fly and it's like holy cow man there's tracer fire going everywhere overwatch position is engaging them so there's american fire coming over us and there's a trick it looked like a laser light show it was it was impressive but finally the call was made it's like if we don't drop he's dead they're 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 pinned down in the orchard they got us in an l shape so the main element can't even get to them like they're dead so yeah the call was made and <laughs> that uh yeah the, our combat controller came over the radio and he's like dude this one's gonna be big bro again good luck I was like really <laughs> And uh, that thing came screaming in the sky, and he goes, weapons released, dude. Keep your head down. Man, that bomb came in and boom, just rocked us. And I felt, <laughs> I remember, like, after I was I was watching the debris kind of fly over us, and I was just thinking, like, man, I hope the chunks of this mud hunt don't come raining down on me and just, like, kill me just with the chunks of it. And it did, yeah, it didn't, but, um, yeah, I, everyone's standing up and you're trying to like get back to the main element and you're flopping around like a fish and stuff. Cause he just took, he just took a massive dose of overpressure <laughs> yeah. and yeah, it was just like, boom, man, it's wow. We just got rocked. So that started the whole, um, mission and that was about zero two in the morning and then uh, we ended up clearing, clearing all of Nyazula and, um, got to, uh, got to our LOA and it's like, all right, let's, let's start moving back. And apparently there was a miscommunication of military doctrine with the Afghans about holding ground that you've taken. I don't know. Cause they didn't want to stay. It was like, no, no, no you guys stay. Like, no stuff. <laughs> this isn't the place. No, you it doesn't it doesn't work that way so long story short you know it's we uh after this conversation has been going on get alerted that there's there's individuals moving to a, a specific you know they're like hey we don't know where they're going but they're we see like 17 individuals at this time um, moving towards the village it's like okay that's not good are they individuals or are they fighting age males like what kind of individuals are we talking about here and uh yeah next thing you knew man that the whole tree line erupts with gunfire pkm fire strafing up and down the road rpgs and so we all jump for you know the the cover which was the ditch on either side of the road and we're trying to return fire but no one knows i mean tree line and basically a u-shape around us is just is just going crazy and and we're trying to get an air solution and the aircraft are like dude we we can't see who's who like they're in your lines we don't know who is who is who here so that's oh crap man we're so now we're close quarter 
and um and then that dreaded you know release of a mortar round <laughs> yeah. we hear that it's like oh crap so they shoot far and on my position i start looking around and i see that frankie and i my buddy you know because we're the we're the two charlies we're all the way in the front because we were clean clearing you know um and uh yeah it's like dude there's no one around us man there's some we got afghans with us and you know afghans are starting you know to uh we got i think three at this time in the ditch with us and they're all bloodied up real good it's like holy cow and then that mortar round and it went it went long and then it's like oh shit okay let's see what they do then the next round it went short it was like now they're about ready to split the difference yeah like we gotta get we gotta get out of here now and um so i i grabbed up some other afghans that were you know they were just not wanting to fight they were hiding in this little hole there and i yanked one out by the hair and the other ones followed thank god and we just we yeah we had to stay low because there was snipes sniper um fire was coming in everywhere and so you had to do that boot camp duck walk through the damn canal and i was like oh this is why we do it maps okay makes sense um but yeah we we get to our first place and finally see americans like okay there's jill right there good 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 um and they're waving us over to the first ccp and then uh you know we start bringing in the casualties and then the ccp gets rocked and they'd they'd moved around through this tunnel system that they had in the area. Now we're taking fire in the CCP and, um, you know, a couple Afghans got hit in in, in there and um, we heard the radio message. I think it was actually before that, but we heard the radio message that came across that kind of stops, you know, all Americans in their tracks and it's eagle down, eagle down, eagle down. So you don't know how they're down. If they're WIA, if they're KIA, you don't, you don't know what the deal is, but, once we start getting everybody together um, and formulate a plan, now we got four Americans shot. Um, we have, you know, we have Afghans that are KIA, WIA. Okay, good. Now we're taking fire inside our CCP. We can't land birds here. But the good news is they gave us distance. So now the bombs are starting to drop. We're like, oh, God, now we can start to turn the tide of this. So with air cover, um, we're able to find another CCP that had a big um, field out by it where we can start landing medevac and getting getting our wounded out. And uh, <laughs> one of the medevac words is he had to pull off because he had taken a lot of rounds and he was smoking. And I was like, great, we're about ready to lose the initiative here with a bird down. Um, like he was able to make it back. No, one came in. We just start loading loading um, wounded and bodies and uh, get get to the end to where we have a pretty good handle on what's going on and uh it's like all right men weapon and equipment and you know it's obviously weapons and equipment you're missing shit all over the battlefield but it's like men it's like okay we're missing four it's like okay four four afghans so go back to the ccp you know we're again this is all under fire um but thankfully, we got a couple of Apaches up ahead. That's that's really a, being a, a nuisance, I guess, to the Taliban. <laughs> but get back to the first CCP and um, find, I think it was two guys, or find one guy there, find one guy in the ditch on the way back. 
um, they're dead. And then it's like, okay, we're missing two. We're missing my friend, Abe, and then another commando. It's like, where's the last time we saw Abe? It's like, he was all the way up in the front with me. It's like, okay. Um, all the way in the front is 500 meters back up that dirt road, which is a, basically it's your right and left limit for a machine gunner. Mm-hmm. Okay. How are we going to do this? So our combat controller is like, well, I got an idea. I'm going to bring back in the Apaches and they're going to lay waste to everything. And we're going to take off sprint behind them and we're going to get to the bridge and hopefully Abe's there. And yeah, it was crazy because none of the Afghans would go with us. It was no, this is an American led, you know, mission to go recover um, Afghan, you know, our brothers in arms there. So, you know, there's arguments about it, whatnot, you know, all this, you know, bullshit. We're going to get ourselves children, whatever. It's like, look, no one gets left behind, dude. You know that. No one gets left behind. So this is happening. Cry about it. Don't fucking come. We'll, we'll do it with the guys we got. So Apaches are inbound. Like, look, guys, sit here and argue all day. These guys are low on fuel. We got to go. Boom. Apaches come in. <laughs> start start doing their thing and we just take off hauling ass and get up to the road get up to the footbridge where you know we first took contact at and looked in the ditch and there Abe was and then the other afghan commander they were both dead in the ditch there but um, we had found them <clears throat> so we you know got them out finally we we're able to get them out of a ditch um muddy you know and they're covered in blood so it's slick and it's just and rounds are coming in so (laughs) but get them out of the ditch and start moving back to the uh ccp we had established and then uh yeah we we got got abe loaded up and that was his last flight that he took but um we accounted for everybody we uh we did you know we followed through with one thing that i that I like to believe that American soldiers um, will die for, and that's no one gets left behind. So, and we did, we did it right that day. So in the end, we ended up having um, eight Afghans, KIA, or 10 Afghans, KIA, 18 WIA, and four Americans, WIA. So we, uh, we stepped in a hornet's nest. That's, (laughs) that's for, that's for damn sure, I guess. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's it it a crazy day. That's yeah. And as a result of that day, and, and I understand how humble you are, and, I, and we all appreciate that. But you were also put in and awarded the Silver Star. And can you also tell us about the Frederick Award? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I uh, I got the the Silver Star for uh, whatever it was. I don't. Know. Uh, but the Frederick Award, that was that that was pretty cool. Um, uh, one person, one guy out of the regiment a year um, gets this award, and it's a joint award with the Canadian um, Canadian SF and USSF. Because in the beginning, you know, it was um, basically Kansas. Well, they weren't Kansas at the time, but the uh, the guys training out of Montana in World War Two. But it was the Devil's Brigade or the, you know, the, the uh, Black Devils and whatnot like that. 
So, um, yeah, I got put in for that award and got, got approved or got accepted or got nominated or whatever. I, I don't know. And so, yeah, I got to travel to Canada and, and I got it along with another, uh, Canadian soft dude. And, uh, we still keep in contact today. Great dude. Um, he's running around Syria doing something, something Canadians like to do, but, um, but yeah, he's, but yeah, it was, it was such an honor because you're, uh, many of the men that I met that day have since passed away, but yeah, you got to, uh, you got to, you know, um, enjoy the company and just be amongst, you know, these, these real heroes from world war two and this devil's brigade. And, uh, yeah. And so you got to hang out with those dudes and just listen to some of their stories and then kind of look at yourself and be like, wow, I, I, I suck. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was great. That was, that was probably the greatest honor I've, I've had in the military was the, was the Frederick award for sure. I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, like cut anything short, but you also did Afghanistan in 2017. You did it in 2018. Like as a non-deployable soldier, soldier, you did quite Deployed a few a lots. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would like to say I have a special set of skills that they need, but that's not the case. I'm just, I'm just dumb enough to where they're like, yeah, he just, he won't shut up. Just send him, man. It's, it's not worth it. Just, just send him. You don't want to listen to him. So that's what it is. It's not. A- <laughs> okay. Well, I don't, I don't think anybody, uh, I don't think we're buying it, nor is anybody who's watching this, but. We'll, We'll 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 allow your humility because we, <laughs> we'll allow we it to pass. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll let it pass. Can we talk a little bit about because uh, this is something we we like to talk about on the show because we do have veterans who watch it who are still sort of wrestling with their own demons and don't really know how to approach them. Can we talk about a little bit about your TBI and sort of how that like how it came up like how you expressed it or how it expressed itself and, you know, sort of the, how you found yourself back in the civilian world. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's that much about the TBI. Um, okay. I mean, I've had, I've had quite a few TBIs, but I would say that it's more about, um, I would say it's more about the, I don't know, just, just the emotion, just the emotions of everything and kind of, kind of going through, you know, mentally trying to process everything that I, you know, I'd been through or everything that I thought I had seen up to that point or, you know, so, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, getting back into the civilian world and and definitely kind of, kind of wearing the, wearing that, that, that kind of that victimized, you know, or not really victimized, but like that entitlement role of, Oh, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know, you know, but not out where I saying it to somebody, but in the back of your mind, you, you're, you're definitely, you know, you wear that, that, that kind of like that, um, not, not really a badge of honor, but that, that kind of like that, well, fuck it, man, that pity party. Um, you don't know what I've seen, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know where 
and all this other stuff. And, um, yeah, getting back in the civilian world, I, I, I had a hard time. Well, not getting back. You're up. It's not like I was in World War Two, gone for two years, and then. But no, I came to a point to where it was. I, I was. I was really struggling with who I was, and I felt entitled to the, the, incidents or the situations that I've been in deployed, and I, I, you know, I felt this entitlement to it, to a point to where I, I did. I started pushing people away from me. I was. I was a very angry person and I just had, you know, a lot of those, those situations um, pop up that, you know, I, that allowed my entitlement victimization mindset to play into, um, which is, it's basically all a, a big poor me pity party is, is what it was because you think that you, you know, you've gone through so much and people need to know, and you got to respect this and, I deserve this and all this other thing, which in the end I failed to realize, no, the fuck you don't. <laughs> and guess what? As much as, as much as you think you've been through this, this or this people have been through worse. And uh, yeah, man, it's, you, you need to get over yourself and understand that, you know, nobody owes you anything and you're not, you don't deserve like, just because you think you've been through some shit, you deserve this or you're entitled to this. Like now stud, get over yourself, man. And I, I do see that is an issue with a lot of veterans today is, is they can't let go of the mindset of, you know, like, do you know what I've been through? Well, no, they weren't there. They're not going to know what you've been through. Right, right, right. And for you, And for you to try and force that on somebody else, um, number one, who, who the fuck are you? And number two, um, how is that fair? Yeah. How could they know? Else? How are they going to ever know? And yeah. so someone could, could thank you for your service until they're just blue in the face and don't have an idea what to do for you. And you, you seclude, you, you segregate yourself and you, and you shut yourself off from everybody and push everyone away from you because <clears throat> no one's going to understand or, no one knows or all this other stuff and to the point to where you're alone. And then that's where, that's where people, you know, um, veterans start to do some stupid shit that, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't recover from. So I, 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 I think that there, there is, you know, there is some aspect of, of veterans sometimes, especially combat veterans holding this expectation. But I, I also know, you know, like some of the things that you described in your book, uh, like sort of your your ramping up, uh, uh, you know, towards a bar fight or, um, you know, your your road rage. Like we've heard of that before, and and that's not necessarily just a sense of entitlement. That's right. you know that that's a combination of TBIs and post traumatic stress and having a hard time going, you know, from a hundred miles an hour back down to zero and hundred miles an hour back down to zero. Um, like I feel as though sometimes it's I do I totally understand what you mean about the sort of entitlement like you don't know what I've been through which is true um but I don't I I don't want to cut you guys off but I gotta I gotta get going yeah 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 okay 
Fair enough. There's, there's, yeah, people are starting to move around. And yeah. I can't, I can't be hogging up everything right yeah. now. So we totally appreciate it. We really appreciate your time, Ryan. Hey, uh, everybody, please on Amazon, uh, Barnes Note, wherever, wherever your fine booksellers are, please check out Tip of the Spear. It's an amazing book. Uh, Ryan's an amazing human being. Very humble. We really appreciate you <laughs> taking time out of your. You got up at what? Four in the morning? Three in the morning to be with us? Yeah, about three thirty in yeah. the morning, and it's about six thirty now. So yeah, well, and people now, are starting to move around, and, and I that, gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta let him. Let Ryan him, has got to yeah. get back to doing, you know, hum, real, real, real humanitarian yeah. work in a war zone yeah. right now in Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, we really do appreciate it, Ryan. Uh, please, folks, check out his book, and uh, we will post uh, some links down in the description to his social media where you can see some of the stuff he's up to now and get in touch with him. So, yeah, man. Well, oh, no, I really do appreciate you sharing your story with us tonight and, and sharing some of your experiences from Ukraine. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. And, yeah, this was uh, this was badass. So I, I know we could continue on for, sure. for a couple more hours, but, yeah, I got it. Well, when when, when you get back that. to the United States sometime, we'll have, we'll have another conversation sometime. Yeah. Happy to. We yeah. appreciate you, man. There you go. There you go, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.